Welcome to the Partnership Economy. This podcast explores the power of partnerships through candid conversations with industry leaders. Join our hosts, Dave Yavano, CEO, and Todd Crawford, co-founder of Impact.com, as they unpack the future of partnerships as a lever for scale and an opportunity to put the consumer first. Welcome back to the Partnership Economy. This is Todd Crawford, and I'm really excited to share our second episode of the season today. Today's guest has been active in the digital advertising space for nearly 27 years. Julia Linehan is the founder and managing director of The Digital Voice, an award-winning B2B PR agency that specializes in providing PR for ad and MarTech disruptors like White Bullet, Hybrid Theory, and Exit B, to name a few. Julia has been known as The Voice and has been nominated for multiple awards, including one of the top five digital trading leaders of 2016 at the Drum Digital Trading Awards, and was part of the 40 over 40 list in 2021. We discuss getting back to in-person events, ad fraud and the potential risks to brands, and the upward momentum of partnerships. This was a great conversation, and I hope you enjoy it. Welcome to the podcast, Julia. How are you? I'm great. Thank you, Todd. How are you? I'm doing well as well. Good. It's always good to catch up with you. Um, obviously, um, really excited to pick your brain today and hear more about kind of what you're thinking when it comes to the partnership economy. From your perspective, what's top of mind right now in the industry from your perspective? Oh, do you know what? This is such an easy one because I think it's front and center of a lot of people's minds. That's events. They're back and they seem to be back bigger than ever. Cannes is the big one. I mean, I'm actually, even I'm surprised by how much everybody is jumping back into Cannes um, with both feet and, and a very happy, smiling face. And I think that's indicative of how the whole world is opening up and reawakening. It's interesting because it's still uncertain times. We were expecting a little bit of reticence about it. I don't think so. It just seems that people are going, we're desperate for it. Bring it on. What do, what do you think? Are you seeing that? I agree. I was just in Hamburg uh, two weeks ago. Maybe it's been three now. Internet Marketing Rockstar Festival. 70,000 attendees in Hamburg. Insane. It is insane. It was so big. And I was very, very amazed that so many people were attending, obviously from all over the world. I didn't realize quite how much people were desperate to actually reconnect. I think we're, we're a, as, as a company, the digital voice is 100% remote and always has been. And actually, so we're quite used to that feeling that a lot can be done behind these three screens. And in fact, we embraced virtual experiences and all of that. But it's exciting to still see, to see how people are connecting and that desire to connect. And so many as well, so many partnerships happened during lockdown. Partnerships were created left, right, and center. And actually what we're then seeing is those come to fruition and, and people then go together and show what they're doing together. And let's see the fruits of your labor kind of thing. And I think they are back, they're back with a, with a loud bang. Um, it doesn't seem to be that they're, they're concerned, maybe, certainly not on the surface, of, of the uncertain times we're in. It seems that most people are going, actually, we're, we're, we're going to show how we're now stronger. We're stronger together. Um, and let's put a very large, big smiley face on it, certainly at the events coming up. Yeah, I mean, we had people from our London and our Berlin offices there. And 
many of them were meeting each other for the first time in mm. person and I was meeting them for the first time in person. And then of course, as you pointed out, a lot of the business opportunities that have been being created over these last two years, people are actually meeting face to face for the very first time. It seemed very positive. I was um, very impressed. You're right. There's just this hunger for interaction and better, I guess, better opportunities to do more business together. I think so. I mean, actually, interestingly enough, Todd, you know, Demexco, which is coming up in, in September and which has always been on Impact's radar, on my radar, that's always been the, the, the bigger one in Germany. And OMR has just you know, really shown that yeah, they, it can handle two strong events per year. Um, and also it, it shows that what people are looking to get out of an event and that they're also, it has been always, Mexico has always been an event where business is done. Can, slightly less so, let's be honest. <laughs> it's a place where a lot of rosé drinking gets done. But I do see this time a slight shift in people wanting to schedule meetings and it wanting to be that there is a focus of what are we achieving here? Are we meeting because we want to create a partnership? Yes, we do. So let's put, okay, let's put the bells and whistles of the yachts and the rosé around it. But still, it's where business gets done. And I think that's important to remember. And, that's, and, I, and possibly that's a shift from the fact that everybody worked in a different way during lockdown. Huge, it was hugely productive. And I, I, maybe that's going to go forward and, and propel us a little bit better in how we, how we take advantage of these events. Yeah, we'll see how things progress here, but it seems like uh, conferences and face-to-face stuff is coming back. We have, by the time this airs, we'll have already had our event in New York, which has over 500 people registered to go to it. It's our biggest event yet. And of course, we had a two-year break as well. So, Absolutely. Though you've got to be honest, because this is that IPX experience, but last year's virtual impact uh, PX event was so strong and showed how it can be done. And I do wish that pe- hope that people don't forget that look, there is still a virtual element to events and still a lot of people that not just can't all travel, but we can't all, st- we've made a huge impact on say our own carbon footprints in not traveling and not flying hundreds and hundreds of people globally. I'd love to see there be just that mix and that just respect for, for those that don't want to leave or can't leave or can't travel or, or shouldn't travel or whatever the reasons, making it accessible has to be key. So you, uh, you impacted it brilliantly last year. It shows it can be done, but a mixture of both. You know, back in the day, there's kind of another thing. Webinars were really popular, but people don't want to attend something scheduled. They kind of want it on demand. So you're seeing people like just do a recording, which I guess is a webinar in a way. It's just not viewed live and then it's Mm. just available on demand. So definitely behavior has shifted for sure. Anything else top of mind before we shift to the next question? There's more of a a focus on as companies on the power of remote. And I think I mentioned it and I'm loving seeing how there isn't that need to necessarily be in person. I've talked about, yes, the desire for in-person events, but I equally love the fact that remote is being respected. And it's not always, I'll give an example, Todd. There are 20 people at the Digital Voice and not one of us lives in London. And But you'd be amazed how many times people say, oh, I can meet you, I'm over there in London. Can we meet? I'm like, I don't live in London. I don't know anyone, <laughs> none of my team live in London. And I have to kind of stress to them, look, it is, we, we can get more done. I'm far more productive if we meet 
it's almost like this. It's like you're meeting meeting via via the screen and being able to enjoy a cup of coffee virtually in a, on occasions. It's a mix of both, and that would just be my final thought on that. Despite lockdowns and the business challenges experienced over the last two years, partnerships are still thriving. But now that events are coming back, Julia is seeing an increase in requests for in-person meetings. And I mentioned that many of us are now meeting fellow colleagues for the first time in person. Events will be a great opportunity to connect with your existing partners and explore new opportunities, keeping in mind that virtual meetings are probably here to stay. Let's hear next what's keeping Julia up at night. Do you know what? From a business perspective, I'm going to put this out there that it is it's still cybercrime really bothers me on a number of different factors. I think the, as from a personal perspective and what's going on in the in the in the world at the moment and the fear of potential war, cyber warfare is a, is a threat. But let's look at our own industry. And I think the hu- there's a huge threat to our industry. There always has been. In fact, again, Impact knew this, what, eight years ago with the investment and, and, and buyout of forensic. Cybercrime, hacking, ad-funded piracy, it all amounts to the fact that billions are falling into the hands of criminals. And I know I'm sounding like I'm on my sandbox now, but it's a case that that is funding serious organized crime. And we as an industry can do something about it. Advertisers can simply not, if you look at ad funded piracy, the two words ad funded are the key to this. You just need not advertise on pirate websites and boom, we can stop 1.34 billion going into the hands of criminals. I just think the power's in our hands and I get frustrated that we're not doing more um, it does. It's something that bothers me. Yeah, I, you know, I think historically any kind of fraud um, where there's supply and demand in the let's talk about advertising, right? You have advertisers who, who want who want to reach as many consumers as possible, and then you have distribution that wants to uh, sell as much advertising as possible. And if advertisers aren't complaining about impression quality or click quality, and they're paying, then a lot of times there's no real incentive to fix the problem because by fixing the problem, mm. you're basically taking money out of your pocket as the distribution, right? As I think that's always been troubling to me. Um, in the old back back in the you know 15, 20 years ago, <clears throat> when you saw a lot of CPA fraud, it was almost like the supply side would blend as much fraud into good. CPA results to kind of get your pain tolerance. Like you can tolerate this much, no yeah. more. And there was no real incentive for them to just send high quality, right? So I, I think that's more the challenge. It's the criminals are taking advantage, right? It's the internet. Anybody can find something that they can get for, you know, little effort or even a lot of effort if the payoffs well, they're going to do it. If you look at mobile, I mean, mobile is it was the next target for criminals because as mobile grew, criminals go where the money goes. And what happened in mobile was it actually for the first time ever started knocking at consumers' door because it was affecting data, the user's own data because of it. For, and, and it does actually on desktop as well because it's malware gets dropped from a lot of these pirate sites. And when it knocks at consumers' door, brands will notice because they could get called out on this and they do not want that. In a time when... 
trust, transparency, authenticity are words we hear all the time. Uh, I think brands need to be aware of damaged reputation here of if they are called out and they are going to, it's going to be, I mean, talk about crisis communications issue, that's going to be hugely damaging. They need to just be mindful of it and think about it. I think five years ago, Todd, the affiliate industry had these problems with affiliate fraud. And that really was affecting, that started affecting the brands themselves. They were having to pay out for false affiliate trades that weren't real. And, and eBay had a big issue with it at the time. And I think that seemed to be an area because it had that impact on brands directly and on consumers, it got cleaned up. And I just think you're right. It hasn't happened in, in the ad industry, probably because no one's calling it. It's not actually impacting it directly. But when we, if we look at industry dynamics and, and if we look at the industry and dynamics and now moving towards attention and engagement, you've got to ask, when are you going to start waking up and going, that like wasn't real? That engagement wasn't real? Yeah, there almost needs to be, to me, like some type of certification of your traffic, right? Like you have some independent party and you attest that, you know, you have certain things in place to mitigate it. Because I think if, if the ad dollars won't go to, to supply that isn't certified, right? Um, problem is the certification, right? I mean, it seems like the IAB would be a good driver for this, but somebody needs to say no large brand. Like you said, it's a PR nightmare. They didn't want their dollars funding criminal organizations and, uh, or just people who are stealing right i mean you know it's a very so i think i think that's where we need to go because you know you you oftentimes have a media agency in the middle of the buying right their job is to be allocated a budget and spend it wisely they don't come back and say we only spent half your budget because we were uncomfortable spending the other half right that's that's not kind of their business model right they want to spend 100 percent of the budget allocated they want to always advocate for more because that's their business model and they want to try to spend it as wisely as possible, but a lot of times they don't have the insights either. Even these fraud tools aren't catching everything. I think something has to happen in the industry to um, to make it, you know, safe. Definitely, I, th- I think the key is 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 you have to be able to look yourself in the mirror and go, "Have I done the be- very best I can to protect?" my brands and my consumers or my audience or whatever it is. And the technology is there, finding the right technology and testing it and seeing what works. I mean, there's companies that said like White Bullet who specialize in piracy. There's other companies out there that specialize in the brand safety elements and we could name all of them. But And then you've got Augustine Fu who talks about the fact that people aren't doing enough and is calling out all the time. And then you've got TAG and JICWEBS and IAB who are making inroads into this and are taking start, taking a step forward. It's a case of do everybody needs to look in the mirror themselves and go, what did I do? Am I doing what I should be doing to implement it? Am I actively going trying to fight this? So yeah, it's I think it's a it's a problem. But I hope to see us actually be able to I hope to, I always say this next year is go, look, we made a dent. It's gone down. Yay. Industry worked together, partnerships were created that solved, helped solve this issue. That's the goal. Yeah, I think the largest brands, the largest budgets need to, you know, their so CMOs need to say, we're not spending any money with anyone unless we are 100% confidence. And that will change the behavior very quickly. I mean, time will tell. Uh, I think it's a little bit of an awareness thing, right? It's just people just want to keep, keep doing business as usual and they don't see the fraud. 
It's see no evil, hear no evil. Interesting enough, Todd, there's a there's school of thought, various schools of thoughts on name and shame. I don't know what your stance is. I mean, no one wants to do it, but it's, <laughs> at some point it might happen. Well, that's the PR nightmare. I mean, if a large brand gets told that where they're buying media is, you know, funding fraud, they're going to freak out and make a change, right? But will, will it be permanent or will it elicit industry-wide? That's a lot. Other than that, I've, I have, I'm always, always positive and air on the side of positive. And I see so much, so much good and strength. And I'm overwhelmed, actually, with what's going on in M&A and the deals that are being done, the partnerships. I mean, you guys are insane with the amount that you've done over the last two years of showing how it's done. And I see that in the industry. And as an, we've got to look at ourselves and go, this, we're, this is good. We create good. We do good. We build well. We power up. I don't know. It feels, I think there's momentum and I see it only going in one direction. It's hugely upbeat. I agree. I think um, partnerships in general are getting broader and deeper and more meaningful to brands. If you're fighting for your share of a pie that's, doesn't matter how big it is, you're just fighting against the incumbents uh, to take market share away from them for your benefit. And you're not really doing anything for the industry. You're just fighting to take money for yourself. If the whole industry, which I think it does in large part, focus on growing the pie, everyone gets bigger. And then maybe you get a bigger share of that pie. I think so. And I think, you know, I look, I look at one of the biggest part areas, you know, you think take commerce content and that's been a big shift online. And, and I, I think then what's the number? You probably know this better than me. Is it a million to 2.6 million in two years that Shopify went up by and, and a big shift? And I know that there's, there's talk of other, there, it's a little bit um, of a plateau now, but that doesn't matter. There's been a huge, a huge jump. And that was a synergy between brands and publishers. And that was actually saying, well, let's look at this growth and let's see how we can work with it. It's gone, on, it's gone online and it's, it's increased in that way. How can we work to accelerate that shift? How can we make commerce content bigger and therefore a bigger slice of the pie for all those involved? I thought that was quite exciting. I feel like the opportunities, the value it's bringing, brands have been screaming in the partnership channels for content. That's what they want more of. And, and as you said, this commerce content is so valuable and there's so much room to expand. I mean, even what's going on you know, here in the U.S., it shows how big it can be all over the world. That's, to me, probably the most exciting thing right now because it's just going to bring so much value to the industry. It's going to grow that pie um, and brands are going to eat it up because the demand for this content commerce is so far outweighed by the supply. They can't produce enough content right, to meet the demand. I think it's a good thing. I think, you know, as you said, publishers, publishers, the key for publishers is commerce content. The key for brands, it's got to be influencer and creators. And, fight. and you, I, I, my, our advice for those two, the buy and the sell side is, is focus on those because that's what's going to be strongest, commerce content on this side and then the influencers on that side. And I think create, the influencer market and the influencer economy is the other area of, of significant growth and partnerships that work and creators and sorry, influencers can really garner such loyalty to that brand. Uh, and, and it has to be done with authenticity though. God, have I seen some epic fails, but if, if brands can, can work out 
what what's beneficial for them what makes their their brand really authentic via an influencer then that's a strong partnership but as with anything they just got to get it right and not just jump in with left foot where the phrase is is jumping in with a knowledge and an understanding and a thought really think about how this is going to work and work well and make me look make us look better and stronger yeah when i was in hamburg at that imr uh, festival i did a presentation there on the future of advertising is not advertising and the idea being that consumers are not interested in advertising right they try to avoid it block it they're not they don't trust it but this commerce content and influencers to me is not advertising it's trust that the consumer has with influencers they follow or content that they and entertainment that they they trust and they're getting their information and entertainment and buying decisions through these types of touch points on the internet right the consumer is empowered now and this is what to me is where brands really need to focus in getting that consumer trust because when a consumer trusts a review on the best e-bike to buy, you know, and they give you 10 different types and all the information you need to understand the differences between them. And then you make that decision and they link to the brand that sells the bike you want. That trust in that publisher that the consumer has is kind of transferred to that brand because that publisher trusts the brand to recommend their product after reviewing it. Right. And you can't do that with an ad. You know, you can't be at the top of Google search results as a brand. And, and that, does, that doesn't create trust. Matter of fact, it probably creates distrust. Yeah, there's, there's one except, well, there is an exception slightly. There's various companies really going down the attention route. And the likes of Gum Gum, for example, have got launched this mindset matrix. And I'm going to call them out because I think it's clever because it's about attention, data, and creativity. I say advertising not dead, simmering, and absolutely it can work if done well with that magic mix of those three. And everyone talks about attention, but it's not just gaining attention, it's then getting engagement. And how do you do that? You've got to this, this very heady mix of that data and creativity. That's fine, finely tuned. And I think the industry needs to go, if I'm going to do that, I need to understand what I'm doing and why and add those elements in. But I then need to look at influencer and what I'm doing in that space and get that right. And then I need to make sure I've got sales and that commerce element. As with anything, it's there's so many elements that could work. They should absolutely try try each of those. We always say it's kind of then think about your own, what you yourself are bringing to the party and make sure you'll be bold, be brave, be you, be true to what you are as well. And it doesn't matter if you're going, whether that is in advertising or in your commerce content or an email marketing or whatever strand it is, there are certain elements that you can bring to each one of those. And, and certainly testing, seeing what works, understanding it, but absolutely being making sure it's right for what you're doing and it's showing and it's representing you well and in the best possible light. That's going to carry you forward, I think. Julia, I, I love the way you put that. I, I agree. I think, you know, there, it is a balance. You, you, there's no silver bullet here. And like you said, the brands that are most authentic and transparent, I guess you could say, um, are the ones that consumers gravitate towards, right? They, they, they want a genuine human-like feeling when they're 
working buying from a retailer. They don't want it to be cold and just a transaction in some ways. They want to feel that brand loyalty in a way, or at least that relationship in some way. And um, even just through, like I said, these partnerships, uh, through influencers, you know, you're creating a different kind of dynamic with the consumer. Hugely. Do you know what? I might change mine from what I'd said to now be bold, be brave, be you, be human. There we go. Yeah. I did that one. Yeah. That's it. All right. All right. <laughs> Thankful for you to coming on board and sharing some of your thoughts always. No, it's a great pleasure. Always good to see you. Yeah. I look forward to catching up again soon, maybe in person. Yes. <laughs> Thank you, Todd. Thank you. Julia's concerns about digital ad fraud are understandable. With constantly changing technology and tools, ad fraud will be an ongoing challenge. Brands are obviously not looking to spend their marketing dollars on digital channels. It could be potentially fraudulent. This is an area that will continue to require more oversight so that companies can confidently partner with digital channels. On a positive note, I agree with Julia that there is an upward momentum in partnerships. Commerce content and influencers are driving trust with consumers. Sometimes ads can have the opposite effect and erode trust, but Julia did make a good point. The right mix of creativity and testing brought to advertising, email marketing, and other channels can work. Being transparent with your customers is crucial in gaining their trust. Thanks again to Julia for joining us on the Partnership Economy. Thanks for listening, and I look forward to next time. Thanks for listening to The Partnership Economy, brought to you by Impact.com. If you enjoyed today's episode, be sure to subscribe to the show and rate and review it on Apple Podcasts.